Diddle dum dum British Strongman Podcast. So today we're going to talk about how to finally squat without knee pain. What kind of so uh, let's talk about some of the strategies that you that you'd use with uh, clients if they say you, you, they're, they're doing some squats and they say, "Oh, shame, my knees are knees are hurting." What kind of strategies would you um, employ or try? What, what, what would be your sequence to go through? So before know, referring to physio or whatever. Yeah, I know my sequence. I've done this. Or BPC. <laughs> yeah, I know my sequence. I've done this a bazillion times. So you always, you always reduce the range. So first, so if they, so basically you put a box there, get them to squat to the box. If it hurts, still raise the box height. Unless you're having to get to the point where it's like completely ridiculous, that's where you start. Uh, most people will be able to do that pain-free. If you can't and you end up squatting like an inch down and it's still painful, then your knees are really bad and probably we shouldn't be dealing with it. But um, yeah, the box allows a little bit more of a vertical shin, so there's less flexion and stress through the tendons, but also limits the... Um, you know, amount of range that you're going to go through. So there's less stress with the joint as well. So you would always do that. And again, you might need to adjust the load as well, or you might find that, you know, the load's not affected and you can kind of train as normal with reduced range. But either way, make sure you're working pain-free. And progressions-wise would be to slowly reduce the box height so you're getting more range until you're back to kind of where you're at. Uh, you know, comp competition depth-wise. Uh, second sequence I would look at is I ran the Knees Over Toes Guy program about six, seven months ago, and I had such good results from that that I started implementing some of the stuff he does with clients because some stuff, the Knees Over Toes Guy stuff, a lot of people will have seen it, but it's aimed at general population with knee pain. Yeah. And... Sometimes you've got to, a lot of people, I see a lot of coaches implementing this stuff and they're right. You can't really go too far wrong with it, but there's a difference between gen pop with a bit of knee pain and a 300 kilo back squatter with knee pain. The, the way we want to treat it needs to be slightly different just because of the loads. So what I found to be the most effective for strong men from the knees on my toes guy stuff is the Alice raise, because as he's kind of stated in the information he puts out, the muscle is extremely undertrained. It's something that we don't really isolate and it's um, an imbalance in the structure of the muscles that stabilize the ankle and knee. So I always throw a tib raise in. Reason being as well is it's a body weight raise. You can add it into, it's just so easy to add in. It takes two minutes. So I would always add in a tib raise. I so find let, let, let's just simplify that. Um, for, for people listening. So a what we're saying, a tibialis raise, so where, where you say, if I'm sat in my chair now and I put like a, a tin of beans on my, on, my, on my foot and like basically curl it, like trying to touch my toes up towards my shin. Yeah, but you don't need, so you literally, all you is, you, you, the best way to do it is the further your heel is in front of your body, the harder it is to do. So you basically put your ass against the wall, walk right. your Put your feet forward and all you do is lift your toes up to your knees and hold for a second and go slow down if you do three sets of 20 of that 
you'll be shocked that most people can't do three sets of 20 because the muscle is so weak and you would literally build towards doing three sets of 20 and that's it. And then the progression for that is you would lie on a bench with your feet hanging off the edge and just put a kettlebell through your foot and then you're doing a loaded one. But I I found that it's taking probably six to eight weeks to get a high-level strongman. So so I I can imagine why this, I've never thought of it before, but I can imagine why this is going to be so relevant for specifically strongman strongman people, especially like kind of like hingy squatters or whatever. You know what we talked about a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. Um, but like, let, let's try and explain it in in kind of simpler terms. Like, I, I, like I'm thinking that, that I've never thought about that before. It's like the like people talk about like say uh, ankle dorsiflexion range of motion, don't we, and developing that in order to free up the range of motion so you can hit your depth on your squat. Well, what you're doing with the tibialis raise, we've never talked about it on here, but logically, with the tibialis raise, that range of motion that you're opening up in terms of dorsiflexion, you're strengthening that. You're strengthening it with the opposing muscle group, aren't you? So that's it. You said it the other day when we, was it last episode, when you were saying about opening up a range of motion and then, you've got to strengthen that range of motion, like with the yeah. with the opposing muscle group or whatever. And this is the perfect thing. Like people say ankle mobility, ankle mobility, ankle mobility, and they'll get you to do knee to wall. I, I do it with people, get them to do knee to wall, knee to wall, knee to wall, and then get them into like a kind of squat using the range. But well, using, go on. <laughs> with the tip raise as well, something I found just by accident, because doing it for knee pain, but people increase their ankle mobility, but also yeah. everybody I give it to, if they moaned about shin splints on yoga farmers, completely went. Wow. Uh, another thing I noticed, uh, I, didn't, like, I didn't mean to notice that. I just kind of threw it in pain and they were like, oh, my shin splints have gone since doing these uh, tibialis raises. So that was something that I uh, noticed as well. Um, so, and this, like I said, it's such an easy addition to a program. Um, oh, we'll be, we'll be able to get a nice clickbaity title on that, won't we? From uh, get rid of your shin splints on the Oakham Farmers with this little trick. Yeah, so honestly, I think they're uh, yeah, they're really really handy. So we've got the reduced range, and then the knees over toes guy stuff. So there's the tip raise that I found was crazy beneficial for strongman, not just for the knee pain, but. It, like, like, like that, that accidental carryover is really good. And then the next thing that um, I, I threw in is I, one of two things. Now, if they're a lighter weight athlete, the Nordic curl became something that I noticed huge transferred strongman. Speed on moving events and speed on sprinting between implements – uh, ability to do better at front carries uh, and also reduction in knee pain because I added it in for the knee pain benefits that the knees um, toes guys preaches about. But like I say, notice all these things like moving events starting going a lot faster, people chipping seconds off because these guys were going from not even being able to do an eccentric Nordic, they were just flopping to the floor. 
after eight weeks, while they're able to do really good eccentric to the floor, and then they're like pushing themselves back up. After just that um, progression, so not even been able to do a full one, just been able to do the eccentric. The knee pain reduced, but the moving events were noticeably faster, and they felt like they could move the legs and pull faster on the moving events instead of feeling like they were like you know when some people say they're just like stuck to the floor like concrete. It yeah. removed it removed that feeling because it was just an extreme weakness in the hamstring. So Tib raises Nordics. If they're a heavyweight strongman athlete, I. I did try and get them doing Nordics, but I just found it was too much. Too big. heavy body was too heavy. Yeah, they were just just too too big. So what I used with them is a, a prone hamstring curl for the hamstring, but then I did add in a lunge that um, he likes. It's just literally he calls it like a ATG lunge. And you put your foot on a ramp or just raise the heel so you're in plantar flexion, so your toes towards the floor. And that allows you to track the knee like really far over the toe. And just doing it body weight and pausing at that bottom end range for a couple of seconds. So what we're doing there is you're strengthening all the muscles around the knee joint in isolation. And then you're taking it through a full range and then isometrically holding to kind of like secure that adaptation. Um, and that, that they're the kind of, that the knees of a toes guys program is called zero. And I do really recommend people buy it and run it because there are a lot of other exercises in there that he teaches for your knee health. These are just the ones that I decided works best for me and then i i did add in quite a few of them for a lot of strong men to get some data and i came back with similar feedback that these ones seem to work the best for strong man and i think it's probably just because they're the ones that have the most load on them and the muscles are the the muscles are the most detrained but the tibialis for example as soon as you do them tib raises um, well, for example, you know, you know Harry, don't you, Harry Fleetwood? He had he had knee pain. Harry Squatter, he, he did. I gave him three sets of twenty tib raises, and I was like, just try and get twenty. You probably won't, but we'll build towards doing three by twenty. And he got like ten, eight, seven on his first session, and he had to take a week off training because he couldn't he couldn't walk because it was that detrained. Like he was like, he just said, I can't move my ankle. My ankle is fixed now at 90 degrees. <laughs> oh. like Corpse foot. <laughs> yeah, it genuinely, it's like I can't squat. I can't even get in my deadlift position, mate. Like I can't do anything. Um, and I was like, wow, this like a, a muscle for an athlete with a 300 squat, you know, it shouldn't be that detrained, should it? You know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. Cool. So I'll I'll just add a little bit to the that sequence. So my 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 sequence would be like try and find a pain free load. So drop the weight down. Try and see if see if you can work through the same range of motion without pain, and then focus on technique and blah 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 blah. And then if you if you can't, you're still in pain. Then shorten the ROM. Find a find a pain free range of motion. So what's good about like doing stuff like 
find a pain-free range of motion uh, and working like say a box squat for instance right you'll be surprised because you'll go in and you you might be in the mindset where you're like I'm in absolute agony but I've got squats to do Uh, my knees feel like they're going to blow up and you just don't hold any expectations to the session but what what you'll often be surprised at you'll go you'll find this pain-free range and you'll assume why in your head very often that you're going to have to stay light with it Whereas if you find this pain-free rage, you might often find you'll often find that you can keep the keep the load heavy. And sometimes, sometimes, like if you have to shorten the range of motion loads, you 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 could actually be able to go heavier than you would be doing on your on your normal sets, even though you're injured or inflamed. Um, and then, so obviously, you can you can basically if you've got inflammation, you, you're giving you, you're giving yourself time to recover there while still getting a neural training effect by still being able to go heavy through this shorter range of motion. And then what I do is like, have a look at like, say uh, tempo work with like really, really light weights to introduce the full range of motion back. And then basically try and um, you could go slow tempo, 10 seconds down, 10 seconds up or whatever. And you'll, that'll probably be good to highlight where, 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 you, where you're prone to getting the pain and the discomfort. Um, and then probably what I'd do there at that point would be find, use like stuff like pauses, isometrics or whatever, to really kind of highlight the area just above and below where you get where you're getting the pain to um, really, really strengthen it. And to be honest, if you follow the sequence, like we've just said in this episode for like, most most injuries like i think most people have saved themselves a hell of a lot of money on um on like on physios and stuff what do you think yeah like, i think first protocol that's why the first point of call if you don't have a fucking clue what's going on admittedly go see someone first of all because you might have a bad feedback of what the hell's on. but if it, yeah usually end night is or something and once you've had it once you kind of know what it is and then then you can do it yourself but like josh said you've got two options drop the load and keep the range if that's pain-free and then you can slowly reload that way or you can adjust the range and usually stay heavier now which one's best depends on where you're at the training as well because for example if you're coming up to a competition and you're wanting it like like Josh, like a neural response from your squat. Then even if you could drop the weight and keep the full range, maybe put the box there and stay heavy so that you're still adhering to your goal or your program. But if you're in a state of training where the squat doesn't really matter at all, I would probably say to drop the weight and keep the range if that's pain-free because it's not a priority then. And you, if anything, you're just pulling a bit of recovery out that you can put elsewhere so you, you do have options with it and what josh said about the tempo guys is really good as well because when you do reintroduce yourself back to the full range squat um eccentrics and isometrics are going to be um really paramount in your training to make sure you reintroduce yourself back um and are able to climb up the the, the loads pain-free um you can also as well uh, Mofo taught us this, didn't he? He said it's got analgesic effect. Is that the word? Uh, yeah, the isometric work. Yeah, so prior to your squat, 
you, know, you wall sets or something. Um, I think he said three sets of 45 seconds or 40 seconds area. Yeah. Uh, which you so might... I'll, be, I'll be honest, like I, I just whittled that down to like two sets of 30 seconds and uh, yeah. and I found like I kept it in for longer and more consistent and it wasn't like annoying. What I, I, I make everything easy. So what I would do is I wouldn't really do the wall sit, to be honest. When I'm squatting the bar, if, even if I was going to a box, what I would do is just sit like an inch above the box and hold. Uh, on my warm-up sets. And again, we say, he says 45 seconds. Me and Josh know how it works. You just fucking do it, and you kind of know when to stop, don't you? You just, yeah. you just don't tie just like, well, that's enough. And then, and it does have an effect on, 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 on the pain, but you don't need to be there with a stopwatch and, you know, being exact, just roughly, rough guy. Just, just do it for a bit. Um, and I, I had, a, just a note on Matt, like I, I had, amazing success with that like I didn't do he, he recommends doing the wall sits whereas I just took the logic of the wall sits and applied it to the specific exercise that we were doing I I was getting at the time I was getting like when I was jerking and push pressing and stuff I was getting it was at the bottom of the dip where I was feeling like the the typical anterior knee pain um uh what do they call it um tendinopathy um and what I was doing, I was just doing the, I was just doing the pauses at the bottom of the dip, and then I was like playing around with like my foot position, like getting more external rotation of the hip, bit more ankle doors, like just making these minor little tweaks, and I could just feel it, just like shit. That's like a, seven, a six out of ten discomfort. Feels really uncomfortable. Shit, it's gone down to a four, down to a three, down to a two, then a rest go back to the position, like literally by set two, I was like trying to find the pain. Mate, I, it was just amazing. Well, I, I literally did it on bench the other day, warming up my bench. Um, I'm only like 70 kilo and I had a little bit of pain in my shoulder. So I'll hold about an inch off my chest. And like you said, I'll move my elbow, I'll internally rotate and I'll flare a bit and I'll move me, my scapula and stuff and I'll set my arch different. And while the time goes on, however long it was, the pain's reducing. Did another little warm-up set, and I only I only needed to do that one set of ISOs, and I felt I felt better for it. So, the principle, guys, it doesn't matter how you you know apply it; just you can use it on. I know we use squat as an example there, but even on your overhead press, like you know, you can if it's, if your rack position's hurting, just hold a little bit above the rack. Because the isometrics don't just work on the joint angle, they, they work above and below it. So you don't have to be exactly where you, you want to be. Like with that squat, if you can't hold the isometric at the point of pain because it's too painful to hold, go up a little bit and hold it there for your first set. And then on your second set, you might be able to sneak down a little bit. So, yeah. You're taking a picture. Yeah, we're taking a video. Um, right, anyway, Shane, that was brilliant. Really enjoyed that, mate. So, see you later.